The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Love news, but find keeping up a bit overwhelming? Well, Newsable is the answer. It's your daily fix of everything worth talking about. I'm your host, Imogen Wells, and in about 15 minutes, I'll bring you what you need to know from Aotearoa and around the world and explain why it matters. Newsable tackles the big stuff without taking itself too seriously. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by Spark Lab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about Spark Lab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. And welcome to Business is Boring. Recently, local brand Crushes held a clothes swap event where people could bring in 10 items each and leave with 10. Hundreds and hundreds of people came, thousands of pieces traded hands, and it was a perfect example of the way Crushes have been leading by example, creating community, and doing cool stuff. Founded by Rose Hope and Sarah Firmston, Crushes sells vintage clothing. They showcase New Zealand-made makers and make their own products like candles where you can recycle the vessel and diaries that help you plan your year and note the maramataka. To talk their journey, being part of the solution, loving Karangahape Road and building community, co-founder Rose Hope joins us now. Tanakwe. Thank you for having me. It's such an honour. Hey, tell me, how did you and Sarah come to start what was Bread and Butter Letter? I met Sarah... In 2010, and we quickly bonded over a love of vintage clothing. And I had told her how I'd spent all summer flipping my wardrobe on Trade Me and making big bucks, you know, wow, digital platforms for trade. And um, she had been hoarding vintage, and this is such a 2010 comment, she had actually been renting out a whole room in her flat for her massive collection that she just would hold on hand. Couldn't do it now. Um, And so she invited me over and her flat was above a shop space. And so she said, you know, I've been thinking about turning it into a shop. Would you be interested in partnering with me? And I said, hey, that sounds fun. (laughs) And so I was studying music at the time and she had a high paying urban design job. And we kind of just started this project and it's kind of unraveled into my full time baby love child since then. Um, Yeah, and so we Googled how to start a business and literally knew nothing. And we went through the inorganics and got furniture and painted it. And mum gave me a massive investment of $50 for a shelf. And so we opened the doors and I think our counter broke on the first night. You know, it was in the inorganics for a reason. And um, yeah, we just kind of learnt on the job. We've still got a gentleman's agreement on a handshake, you know, like nothing in paper. And we kind of made um, a five-sentence business plan about what our store will be and what it will mean for others. And essentially, we'll stop if we make no money or if we have no fun. 
Um, so, yeah, 12 years on, we're still going. That is such a lovely start. Like, you hear sometimes people saying, look, we, we want our business to just be good things with good people, which is a nice thing. But if we're not making money and we're not having fun, is a really lovely lovely approach. Yeah, it was, it was more of an awe because we didn't make money for so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and how do you go about So where did you open that first store? We were on New North Road. And it was, um, yeah, a beautiful light-filled store and we had um, a couch and board games and free tea and cookies and so people would just come and sit and just spend the day. And, you know, I was studying music so I'd be practising my guitar. It was very, um, yeah, very 2010 low, um, low stakes energy but it did create a beautiful atmosphere for people to come and get involved and hear the the stories and and yeah, we still have people coming in that say, "Oh, I came to the first store." I'm like, "Wow, you know, you saw us glow up. You <laughs> you've been there throughout throughout it all." So yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago, but also just yesterday. And when did you move into the Karangahape Road space that most people yeah. would know you for? So in 2013, we were like, "Look, we are not making any money. We can't do this for free forever." Um, so we either need to go hard or go home. And we really looked at the business and we thought, you know, is it just us? Like, isn't, I thought this was really good. I think this is a really unique idea. Why is it not working for us? And we kind of put all of our money on that. It was just low foot traffic and it was a bit of a risk. And so we thought, you know, what would it look like to go onto Karangahape Road and we started looking at all of these properties and meeting with big business men in boardrooms who were very smug, looking at our books, essentially laughing at us, saying, you think you could come into my property? You know, um, and I remember getting quite emboldened over a boardroom and standing up and saying, look, look here, Mr. Man. You know, I know that when people come in, they buy something, and that's been our problem. So if not with you, we'll go with someone else. And um, his beautiful wahine receptionist was, um, you know, very apologetic and trying to be, you know, very kind to us because um, obviously this is the energy that the industry belongs to, these big fat cat commercial landlords of Auckland City. And so we decided to go elsewhere and we found a landlord that's, saw the vision and have been really supportive of us over the years and um, give us a cake on National Friendship Day every, every <laughs> year, <laughs> you know. And so, um, yeah, we got this three-storey commercial property in Auckland CBD and we renovated it, still did in organics and did everything thrifty as. Um, yeah, and on the first day we had so many people through and we're like, oh, my gosh, thank God, it's... We did have a good idea. It was, yeah, it was just location. What was the vision? What was the kind of uh, the idea behind it? And what were what was the experience that you were wanting people to have when they came in? Yeah. So in the early 2010s, craft markets were huge around Auckland. Um, there was craft bomb or craft afternoon tea. It was very twee and kitsch. And so you had all of these New Zealand makers and vintage clothing side by side. And we kind of looked at that and said, what if there was a market that was open all the time? And then these makers don't have to spend their whole weekend, you know, manning their stall and they could be making their goods. And so that was 
genuinely the whole concept. And then really soon after, we kind of realised that it wasn't just cute and cool and aesthetic. It was actually kind of important. This new word, conscious consumerism, was sneaking in everywhere. And we were kind of realising, whoa, New Zealand made and handmade and all these things is really important for our local economy. It keeps taxes in our country. It builds the middle class. It creates employment opportunities. This is like really essential. And with vintage clothing, you know, um, we heard in 2013 about the Rana Plaza tragedy in Bangladesh. And wow, people have been exploited and have harmful labour conditions offshore. So like by buying secondhand, you're not partaking in anything, you know, that should be filthy and abhorrent, you know, to your soul. And so <laughs> we started um, really thinking about what it, what it is to be a store um, when you're kind of becoming anti-capitalist. <laughs> <laughs> and that really threw us through um, some hoops and kind of we realised um, actually now it, it's more important than ever to show it is possible that you can do it and that all businesses should have that responsibility um, to look after Papa Tonuku and its people. Um, yeah, so we wanted um, our store to start reflecting honest and integral <laughs> <laughs> options for the consumer. And so, um, yeah, we just started telling that story over and over and um, and really letting people be a part of that process. Yeah, and, and try to make it feel tangible and optimistic and not full of dread. And I think that's been a core tone of the crushers experience, whether it's what we stock or um, the, you know, friendly staff at the door or how we're not calling out other people's behaviour but our own and letting people in on our journey through hard decisions and, um, yeah, especially that concept of how do you be a store when we really should probably stop consuming, mm. get our manufacturing emissions down and all these things. So... Yeah, it's a tension we hold um, really mindfully and, um, yeah, has been the defining part of our business. And I think the one other thing that I'd say about that time is that um, we really decided we didn't want to stock anything kind of novel anymore and to really lean into timelessness and functionality and to, um, you know, a New Zealander might be making a really funny joke present, but we just didn't want to be a part of this um, one-time offering that the consumer will buy that and then give it and then it's gone, you know, just really kind of leaning into, yeah, timelessness. Yeah, and that intentional approach to stuff is a real link to to vintage, right? Because, like, vintage, in theory, it's like, whoa, you know, go thrifting, find something cheap, sell it for a lot, but it takes a lot of intention you know to know what's good to know how you can yeah. repair and look after something to know how to present it in a way that makes it 
yeah, attractive and not um, like a lesser choice. Tell us, tell us about that, as that's been a huge part of, of crushes, hasn't it, over the years? Yeah, you're right. Um, we actually have lots of people bringing clothes up and say, could I have this in another size? And we go, oh, actually, <laughs> this, is, this is actually one of a vintage piece. We're a vintage store, and they're kind of shocked. And I think, yeah, maybe because it's on a wooden hanger and it's beautifully presented and laundered. And also we're not buying any any vintage just because it's old or like, you know, the big shoulder pads or what have you. We always say it should just fit into a modern wardrobe because we're trying to make sustainable fashion accessible for all and that we can prove to these um, younger tweens that come in who are there for the, you know, ratty karanga happy experience, you know, that, um, that, yeah, you don't actually need to buy firsthand. This is the original um, concept of the fast fashion you love and look at the, <laughs> look at the quality and um, look at this old tag and look at what's made in New Zealand, what have you. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, I don't know, we'll cut it. You're great. And like um yeah, and tell us some of the things. Tell us some of the things that you do to make the vintage feel like it's part of the modern world. Like I love the way that you um will do drops of new pieces, you know, as if it's like, you know, a Thursday (laughs) at H and M and you know, this week's new supply and it's like (laughs) but it's all one off and special and and, and the only the only thing available. Yes. I mean, it's a really hard business model. (laughs) (laughs) You do all that effort for the one thing. Um but I suppose in some ways it's it's got its benefits because people can't press unfollow because they're gonna miss the drop, you know. Yeah, and tell me about the change to becoming crushes from bread and butter letter. So we started creating our own in-house brand and we did that because we were watching all this money come in and then flush away and we really had to, you know, consider how to, you know, create better margins and markups for ourselves. Again, we didn't know anything about business. So um, we created our own brand called Crushes while we were called the bread and butter letter. And... Um, then in 2018, I kind of pitched to Sarah that be, now being responsible for marketing, I really believe that the bread and butter letter had become a barrier for us to um, present other ideas because if we're saying, you know, um, Christmas sale, come on Friday from the bread and butter letter, a new person would stop at bread and butter letter and go, is it for sandwiches? Are you writing stationery? You know, like what? Is it? There's too many nouns in that one sentence, <laughs> and also a popular Auckland cafe was also called <laughs> something similar. Um, so I I kind of pitched her that we should bring everything together and have our in-house brand be the same name as our store, and we should have um, a, a central identity to our offering, so people can understand that if they're seeing a crushes goods and a crushes shop, it just makes sense in, co- in according to our, our tone and our visual identity. And that's really where, um, when we rebranded our store, that's and made everything come together in one cohesive pas- package, um, everything really started to fall into place as we were able to tell one story so much easier. But I think you'll find this funny um, Facebook wouldn't let us change our Facebook name, so we were the bread and butter letter. We needed to get to crushes, and we realised the only way to do it is to get rid of a couple letters or a word 
once a week. <laughs> so we were like, the bread litter crushed and then it got smaller and smaller and we let everyone in on that journey and they were so excited to see what letters would vanish and what would gain in the week. It was, yeah, really embarrassing and humbling and accessible to the consumer. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back in a moment to hear more about how crushers tell their story to their consumer and what's next. Spark is proud to partner with the Sustainable Business Network and the Climate Action Toolbox. The free Climate Action Toolbox can provide you with simple step-by-step guides to measure and reduce your emissions. Help lead the way to a low-carbon future for New Zealand. Visit sparklab.co.nz forward slash sustainability to find out more. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Hey, so something, you, you know, like you're saying with the Facebook, uh, having to um, communicate to, to, to the people kind of following and in your community about what you're up to. How have you gone about, because um, it's so cool, you know, like following uh, you on Instagram and, you know, really feel like you're part of the shop. You're really like, um, you know, hero your makers and, and hero your team. Um, yeah, tell us about how you've done that and, and telling those stories to people. I remember early on, I heard a pearl of wisdom from somebody that said, we're not in the market of selling stuff, you're in the market of promoting stories. And that was really a game changer for me because I realised what is more personal than New Zealand made. Like we have, you know, with that import, we have these makers dropping things off and we see their babies grow up or we're invited to their weddings and everything is personal and so being able to um, celebrate their stories has been a real changer for being able to sell their stuff if you will and so instead of price tags we now have product story tags so we say who made it why where and really let their stories sit side by side with their products within the store and then equally with vintage clothing you know they've lived a million lives before they've got to our hands sometimes it's still got the original owner's name in it so it's kind of like that idea for crushes is everything and similarly with our staff like I don't want it to be the Rose and Sarah show you know like letting our staff shine and become kind of Auckland famous if you will um I don't know it's something that we love we love to do to um yeah like it's never about us it's about everybody and um 
I think people really gravitate towards that because they are also that everybody. They can come in and they're getting that interaction with the person that they see on socials, whether it's me or Lola or Jen, you know, um, and they're part of this uh, person or this entity that they follow. And I think it's kind of an interesting time to have like a good following on social media and being a store because it's kind of like, are we influencers or are we a brand? Because this kind of like personal identity, we're always churning out and expressing openly to everyone about our journey or our um, mishaps or our failures or our successes. Everyone's a part of. So yeah, it's kind of just an interesting time to time to be in with um, social media, but it's also our joy to do business that openly and expressively. And there's a really cool way that you, you know, bring it into the real world as well. Like, tell us about, like, the clothes swap and things like that, that, you know, bring bring that community in and aren't just kind of crushes at the heart of it, but bring lots of different voices and people together. Yeah, so this year we started Crushes Social Club, and it's an event program that we had an event on every week, be it knitting club, crochet workshop. Um, we kicked it off with friendship speed dating and that's actually been a real highlight hearing that these women are still meeting up for coffees or going to the art gallery since um, since our first event. But the main one was, um, and by main I mean huge, was the Auckland clothes swap. So we were eight stories high on a rooftop car park and we had 400 people come and they were able to bring 10 items each and leave with 10 items each. And so... By the end of it, um, we didn't have many clothing left to donate and we thought that that was a real success because we were able to bring so many people together in the name of sustainability and what is more crushes ultimately than that. It was like it is the perfect event to tell our story. Um, so, yeah, we might be road tripping that next year down the Motu. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and, yeah, it's... It's um, It's been a real career highlight this year, post-COVID, with everyone isolating, creating opportunities to gather and to learn and to create, and um, especially because we know that Crushes has the most incredible and inspiring and thoughtful and expressive community. We've always said, wait until you meet each other. You would love to meet this person that I see on Thursdays, but you come in on Sundays, you know. So it's been a really neat opportunity to not create community for crushes, but to bring in the community that has been independently surrounding crushes into one spot. And with that, like, you know, it's been more than 10 years of telling these stories and caring about these things, like, that have certainly come more into the public consciousness. Hey, like a lot of the kind of conversations that were relatively fringe are now front, front and centre. Like, have consumers got more onto it? Like, have, have has the world got better? <laughs> <laughs> I would say it has definitely got better. I mean, one of our biggest obstacles when we first started was people not understanding the value of which we create. They were comparing our prices to literally Kmart prices and trying to explain, no, this was made in Kihikihi by a single mum and it took her hours. It is worth that much money. You know, or people saying, oh, I can make this myself, you know, knowing that 
if they bought all the materials from Spotlight, it would cost more, you know. And nowadays people, you know, they're asking us, well, who made it and what out of? And does it have BPA? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I think the best thing was actually um, the whole world shutting down for COVID and realising how much everyone relies on the global market and how important it was to support local because everyone had the opportunity to close. Like post-COVID, I haven't needed to tell anyone anymore with our messaging and our branding why you should support local because everyone knows now Mm -hmm. because it was so tangible to know that dad's factory could have closed down or or maybe it already did, you know. So, yeah, that time was actually quite interesting for us because like selfishly we go, oh, no, our point of difference is changing because everyone is becoming more sustainable. And and so we realised that we just wanted to be ahead of where retail should be. So we we did a new fit out and we incorporated a recycling and a refillery station so that people can bring back their empty candles and we can turn them into more candles or they can refill their oils and um, at our space and so kind of showing that Oh, okay. Also, have you guys heard about a circular economy mm-hmm. and like circular production? And um, I suppose you could say the same about the clothes swap, you know, like let this product not have an end life, keep using it. So, yeah, I suppose that has been um, heartwarming to know that, um, yeah, everyone is changing and we are getting better, but there's more work to do and crushes will always be at the front (laughs) (laughs) and always be kind of experimenting and 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 learning right and that's one of the cool things about the way that you you've communicated um is you know i'm I'm a big fan and follow um has been the way that you talk about things you're experimenting and trialing and why you're doing things and you, you know there's a lot of stuff where you kind of take leadership positions on things that aren't even to do with products and stuff as well like is and and is that because you know with with a, a following of kind of conscious, socially minded people, when there's events happening in the world, that's what people are talking about. Like, yeah, t- tell me about that. Yeah, I suppose because um, because it's Sarah and I, and it's a small team, and there's no big money, you know, backing us. We can kind of do whatever we want, and because um, Crushes has become kind of more like a speaker box to values and ethos, something is going on that we want to comment on. We will because we can. So, for example, I'm wearing my Karangahapi T-shirt. Um, I did a night course at Tawananga learning te reo Māori and, um, yeah, kind of learned about how over the years Karangahapi Road, many people tried to change the name saying, no one will be able to pronounce it and we should name it after this general and that was happening hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And so we're, we are now calling it everywhere K-Road, that is what it's famously known as. And so kind of just saying, guys, let's call K-Road Karangahapi again. And we did a big window and I thought we'd get a lot of, you know, um, slack about that, putting it so out there onto the road for everyone on the road who calls K-Road K-Road to kind of get a bit of a, um, a bit of a, Earful or eyeful, if you will. But it was received so well. It was on the news. Um, the K Road Business Association is now called the Karangapi Road yeah, Business great. Association. And kind of, um, yeah, I suppose the other thing that we do in that realm is um, we're very open about this is what I used to do and now I am 
changing and would you guys also like to do that? Mm. And it, um, so, for example, when I slip and I say K Road, because I've always been a Karangahapi girl, um, I go, oh, excuse me, I mean Karangahapi. Mm. And just showing people that I will change my own behaviour and there is no judgment about what you consume or what words you choose or what have you, but this is me and I'll, you know, um, express my journeys and my failures with you so you can consider your own along your own journey. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we've just all got to keep moving, hey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got to keep moving. And, and like, and the some of the stuff you did there, like the range of shirts that you embroidered that were all vintage shirts, like given yeah. this new life with the embroidery, which is so cool. Yeah, so we use all pre-loved blanks because, yeah, we love the idea of, if you need something, it already exists. So while we were out sourcing clothing, there's a good quality cotton blank. It will get embroidered. And again, we were one of the first people I've seen to do that. And now it's kind of getting common, like it was Teak's merch. And yeah, I love that for him. And I love, I don't want to gatekeep great ideas. I think it's so fantastic that we're all growing and changing and considering these things. That's so cool. And Teeks is one of those people that every everything he does is awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. bless his heart. Yeah. That's so, and then in terms of like sharing your stories too, you've spoken a couple of times about when you started like, you know, not really knowing um, business and not having stuff with margin and not making money. <laughs> like, that sucks, eh? It's really hard, <laughs> those years when you're not making money and, and, and like, you know, and there's, there's almost this thing in creative business that, you know, you shouldn't talk about profit and you shouldn't talk about making money because it's against the thing. But if you don't make money, life's misery and you can't do cool collaborations yeah. and you can't do cool stuff with local artists and you can't do anything. And if you have some profit, then you can do all the cool stuff in the world and you can, you know, light a path for more people to do cool stuff. How have you kind of walked that path? Because you've shared it really openly. But what kind of things have you learned that have put you into the track of um, not being in hell <laughs> being able to do cool stuff? Well, I suppose we, we, whenever we get a new maker on and we've got over 60 New Zealand businesses at any given time, we're always negotiating the prices for whatever is really truly fair for their product and also what we need to do to survive. So often we have to say no to really fantastic things and, you know, t and give them the tools to go do it on their own. Um, but, yeah, I suppose we're always um, – yeah, we, we're very mindful, always looking at that percentage, knowing that it is what is keeping the lights on. And, um, yeah, it's always really sad when you see other stores close. It feels like, oh, that could be me next week. That could be me next month. And so we're just really careful and considerate about what we choose to do with um, the time that we do. Yes. Is yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. And you were, you're saying about kind of, you know, the tension between consumerism and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> selling selling things as well, which is which is a real tension. Eh? Like, and did you feel that kind of thing and that, you know, creative people shouldn't care about business? Or is that, I mean, that was something that I felt when I did the first few years of business and it, it really set us back a tr tremendous distance. Oh, well, I remember doing music school and then all of a sudden doing business and I was like, this feels as creative as music. My brain is firing with you know, problem solving and collaboration and dreaming up whatever I want. And I haven't written music since starting this store because I'm so, um, yes, yeah, satisfied creatively. 
Um, so yeah, I would say business is super creative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that kind of tension though between yeah, I, yeah, that's the thing. I think I always thought the business wasn't a place for the creative, or it was very straightened or grey or whatever. But it's creativity it's collaborative it's yeah. all the rest of it but also that kind of funny feeling about talking and sharing about um about some of those experiments that have and haven't been successful along the way like what what would be your advice to people who who do want to start a business around you know things that they value and a community they care about like you did I think that everyone at the moment, consumers or viewers or what have you out there, they're really smart and they can smell a rat. <laughs> and I think if you genuinely care about those things, they they will come. And I would also suggest, you know, um, we've always been really mindful about who we hire and that they are passionate about the same co-papa. And so we honestly don't hire many people with the experience we need because we're almost doing personality hires. Um, you know, sometimes we call them castings mm. because it's kind of like we're looking for that personality that can cre- tell our story and can create opportunities for people. So I would say, um, yeah, being genuine and authentic and letting that um, that story go towards the physical and on the online and your and your tonal voice that you're putting out there, making sure that's really cohesive. I think they will come. Yeah, and um, in terms of like you personally and Four Crushes as a business, what will be success for you? I honestly feel quite successful right now in this moment, even after quite a hard winter, I will say. Like we have had, we've been so embraced by Crushes Social Club. And I think... I'm feeling successful because it, we're not doing it alone. We're not yelling into the void saying, buy this, buy this. We need to make the money. We're saying, you know, come be part of this journey. And we've had people say, you know, I was young when I first came to Crushes and it's changed the way I do my life. And you guys taught me this or that. Or, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've really been thinking about the feeling of community around us and also being kind of recognised um, by it from the community itself, saying, oh, I love what you're doing with the socials. I loved that video. I loved that event. And just it feels so supportive and that we're not doing it alone. And being here with you, Simon, and this week we were interviewed by New York Times and the Australian Fashion Journal, we're getting recognised for doing great things and we're just a shop. Like, you know, it, why are we getting this much attention all the time and kind of really makes me go, we must be doing something right. And that sort of passion is creating um, more more interesting ideas to keep pushing the bubble and ha- creating a stimulating creative um, practices and projects throughout the year. So... Because there's nothing worse for me, you know, the new year comes and you go, okay, got to sell umbrellas in April, you know, like the same thing over and over. Just this idea of expanding and journeying throughout life and commerce with our community has made me feel very successful indeed. Oh, I love it, Rose. Mm. That's so cool. And I can't wait to see where you take it next. Thank you so much for sharing the story of Crushes so far. Thank you, Simon.
So thank you to Rose, to you for listening, and for everyone who helps make this happen, like our producer, Samuel Robinson. Do follow Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to rate and leave a review if you like what we do. Enohora. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Kia ora, Duncan Grieve here, host of The Fold. Recently on the show, I spoke to Beef and Lamb New Zealand CEO Kit Arkwright about the negative perceptions and realities of the agriculture industry, what beef and lamb means to New Zealand, and whether we can address climate change without giving up our beloved red meat. It's a fascinating chat, and you can find it in the regular feed for The Fold right now. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.